You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric Soap here. Excited to be joined by 2017 NLC LA fellow. Juan Gavita is here. He's our favorite therapist who's an NLC alum. We'll talk to him about that. So if you have things you are wondering, if you need to go to therapy about, he may be able to answer it. So let's see. Let's get to it. All right, Juan, in, in your opinion, as a therapist, are there characteristics in people that make them better at doing therapy than other people? I would say so. I mean, it, it, it's really not a profession for everyone. Like, you really have to be able to connect with people and and be empathetic and kind of, you know, kind of suspend your yourself and put yourself in the other person's shoes. So it's 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 not something that everyone can do, to be honest with you. And then in terms of people who go to therapy and who might be in your office and seeing you, are there certain characteristics in them that make you uh, feel more confident that they're more willing to to accept the process or to take the process seriously? So, you know, a lot of the times the, the well, the, the research actually shows that one of the most important things about therapy is the relationship between you and, and, and your client. So if someone comes into the office and automatically just you don't you don't match it just doesn't matter how skillful or or, mm. or how you know great you are it just it's just not gonna the results are not gonna be the same why did you want to become a therapist you know i was really interested in behavior when i was a kid so i kind of I, wherever i went i kind of fit in the middle of everything like i, I was never like a you know, quite fit in to this place exactly or that place exactly, but I was able to kind of navigate different worlds. And it was really interesting to me kind of being there almost as, as an spectator, you know, to to see different people uh, behave and, and, and how we interacted with each other, how we treated each other, the interests that we had. So I was always kind of in that mode of figuring out like us, kind of how we interact with each other. So it led to to this career. And was there anyone in your family who discouraged you or was everyone very supportive? What were folks' reactions to it? <laughs> you know, so it's, it's really funny because I, I think for, for a lot of Latinos, education is really important, but it's not something that they know how to navigate necessarily. Unless, you know, like, of course, like if you have someone who's a professional and they went through the process of college and all that. They, they understand, but in my family, really, you know, you're going to college and people were just excited and it just didn't matter what I was doing as long as I, I went to school and found a career that I loved. And once you got into the realization, okay, I want to be a therapist, was there any particular group of people that you were most interested in serving? Was it, was it kids? Was it going to be couples? Was it going to be something else? Like what, what were you really drawn to once you realized, okay, this is what I want to do for my career? You know, I really like working with teens mm. from the very beginning. And, and sometimes it wasn't even that I I selected, you know, to work with that population. Somehow, even when I was first starting, you know, the people that the my supervisors or whomever would send to me was usually teens, especially the ones that no one uh, really wanted. So like the ones that were kind of either outcasted or like they were the bad kids or using drugs and they used to piss off everyone, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so they used to irritate uh, the clinicians or whomever. Uh, they came to me and somehow they were able to connect. Um, they almost saw me as a, a different from, you know, like their parents and their teachers and, and other therapists. So I connected well with teens and along the way, you know, I, I've kind of, kind of, moved more into 
working with young adults, young professionals, uh, people who are kind of feeling stuck, who are feeling kind of, you know, like um, uh, almost like that uh, imposter syndrome, you know, something that's holding us back and we don't understand why. And I do a lot of couples too. I do a lot of family. But yeah, but it's uh, uh, teens. I, I love the energy of teenagers. What, what do you think more people don't go to therapy? I think that, I mean, the stigma of therapy is just, it's something that we just can't seem to overcome. A lot of people think that it's like, you know, you go to therapy because you're crazy or because you're this or there's something wrong with you. And the interesting thing is that, you know, once you begin the process, it's, it's not even about that. Like, you know, it's not just about, you know, dealing with anxiety and depression. And, and of course, that's part of the work. But therapy doesn't stop there like that, you know, so that, that's just kind of getting rid of a symptom. But then how do you deal with the underlying issues? You know, what are the insecurities? What are the things that we're dealing uh, that are left over from childhood or, or adolescence or you know, why am I not relating to others? So it's like a growth process that goes beyond just uh, symptom management or getting rid of, you know, I don't want to feel depressed or anxiety. And a lot of people just don't know the therapy helps you kind of rediscover that side of you. And then how is you, how have you being a, a progressive, being a man of color, like how has that shaped how you mm-hmm. uh, approach your therapy or even maybe approach how you talk to people about therapy? Mm-hmm. So, so it's really interesting because I do work with a lot of uh, very diverse communities. I mean, I, I work from, you know, really affluent, you know, like a, you know, rich, you know, uh, like white person or couple or families, you know, and then I work with someone who is like homeless or hearing voices or, uh, you know, or, or someone who is undocumented or, or, you know, or or like kids who are refugees. I actually work with a group of kids who are refugees a few years back. Uh, And, you know, I think at some point it's how we relate as humans. Like, you know, like that almost goes away a little bit as to, uh, you know, that, that I, I think it it almost, I don't know. It's hard to describe. Like a lot of those things kind of tend to go away. But part of my work, though, it's it's to also understand the power dynamic. So if I'm working with someone who's undocumented, for instance, they may see me, you know, or Latino, you speak Spanish, you know, uh, you know, you come from a similar re- region, you understand the, the food, the culture. But also I have to keep in mind that we're like in completely different places and I am in a power position. So my work also has to be informed as to that. Like I cannot be, I cannot pretend that I understand or that I can put myself completely in the shoes of some of my clients because I don't know what that feels like. I don't know what that's like. And, you know, so that, that is part of the work. So, you know, it's, it's not only just like listening to them, but it's also kind of how I listen to myself. Same thing happens when I'm working with someone who, you know, is affluent and hasn't had, you know, the, the, the trauma or like, you know, the, uh, the experience of poverty or homelessness or, or immigration or, you know, uh, same thing, like I have to kind of understand how I'm feeling in the room with that person because there there is still a power dynamic and it shifts a little bit and it, it may uh, interrupt the process, but it's, it can be healing in, in some ways as well. Yeah. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about Juan and his approach to therapy and what else is going on in his life. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Zag. We are back. All right, Juan, I feel like a lot of NLC alums we cross paths with, they are thinking about their romantic relationships. 
either they want to get in one or they're in one presently and they want to see it improve or get better. You see a lot of couples in your office, I'm sure. What uh, trends do you see happening that causes couples to struggle the most or, or what maybe strategies do you see get employed that actually helps a couple get a lot stronger? Yeah. So, so I'm a, I'm a Gottman uh, trained therapist, which is a specific form of um, a therapy for couples. And uh, it's a research based, uh, very, um, how do I say this? Like, a, uh, you know, skills oriented type of work and stuff. And a lot of the things that I see with couples, it's, you know, that we're not listening to each other. We don't, we don't listen. We don't uh, pay attention to one another. Um, a lot of times we're we're talking past each other. You know, we're not listening or or seeing the cues that our our partner is sending. And so, in, and a lot of the work is about you know how do you reestablish that that disconnection. You know, we're kind of in a place where we're a little disconnected. And, and I can see like you know even in, in progressive circles, people who are very you know bright and intelligent and then you know but when it comes to like this like emotional side it's like you know something gets lost and uh, because we're thinking about a bunch of other things as opposed to like focusing on what's happening Mm -hmm. right now in my relationship and myself i've always wondered this how do you get better as a therapist over time is it just reps is it experience is it at bats of just seeing lots of different people or are there actually ways that you feel like you are trying to get better explicitly i would say like you know there's so many different ways that you can better one way is definitely you know being exposed to communities that you do not have access to and learning about uh, the people that you're working with understanding that you know in the work not only your your client is learning but you're also kind of in the same in the same process you're learning from them uh you know like a lot of reading you know, a lot of this stuff is about, you know, also like you have to develop your own philosophy as well. Like I really do believe that that as therapists, you know, we cannot just sit back and, oh, look, I got a master's and and I'm licensed or whatever, and I'm, I'm allowed to do therapy. And then I just like listen and talk. That, that, to me, that sounds a little bit naive. Like it, it's really about you owning your profession and you finding your style, finding your voice and finding your philosophy and using that to kind of, become a vehicle for people to find, you know, whatever they're looking for in your practice. Yeah. And then last thing, if someone is considering going to therapy for the first time, what's the short answer on how they should start that process or navigate that process? Uh, you know, the internet is great. So psychology <laughs> today, that's <laughs> usually like the good place to start. You find a lot of profiles. Uh, you know, there's groups on, on uh, Facebook, um, you know, and if there's anyone that needs, you know, I'm, I'm always available too. So, you know, I know we always have contacts and stuff. Uh, ask around, you know, who, who are you seeing? Uh, personal referrals are really important because that's how you know if you connect with someone or not and if that's the right person for you. And also interview your clinician. The first therapist that you meet is not necessarily, doesn't have to be your first and only mm-hmm. one. If you don't connect with that person, like, go to another one, you know, until you find a person that, like, you know, that fits your style. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, listen, thanks for coming on. Thanks for all the work that you're doing too. I'm glad so many folks get to benefit from your services and and your expertise. And thanks everyone for listening to this episode of The Zag. You can catch all past episodes. There's a bunch, over 150 or so. Get them all the places you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. They're all there. Until next time, we'll catch you soon.